Good morning, church. <clears throat> it's, it's good to uh, um, be in service with you all, um, some in person, others virtually, um, but in service nonetheless. You know that uh, God has told us that he is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, our worship transcends locales um, because the spirit <clears throat> is on another plane than the physical world for reasons we've talked about uh, a few Sundays ago. Uh, I want to say um, my, uh, I'm having a little bit of an issue with my voice this morning. Um, so if, if something didn't come out clearly or if uh, you didn't hear uh, something that I said, um, we have it on, we're recording the lesson, number one, and then number two, please feel free afterwards to reach out to me. Um, you know, it's it's always good to to have a conversation and discuss what you've learned and then maybe what I've learned and taken out of the lesson so that um, each of us will be edified. This morning, um, if you have a Bible available to you, we're going to be reading from the book of Jude. Um, the book of Jude. And uh, before we get started with reading the book of Jude, um, I'll ask, how did you come to worship this morning? Um, are you aware of how you feel? Um, are you aware of your hunger? Are you aware of your happiness? Are you aware of your fatigue? Are you aware of your energy? And then look past that into your spirit and are you aware of how your spirit is feeling this morning as we've talked about a number of times um, we are betwixt two worlds uh, we are our bodies are governed by the, the the laws of physics where our spirits are, are are bound and are guided by the commandments of God both of which are different um, one is impacted and influenced by the other. The other is only influenced by the one is only influenced by the other. But we find ourselves in, you know, this in between. And so it's always a good idea, always a good exercise to just evaluate where you are. Um, know thyself as, um, you know, the, the great philosopher said. Um, and once you're able to do that, <clears throat> then you can develop a plan. Um, you can understand why you're feeling one way or the other, and it just makes it easier to go through tough moments, and it's also easier to be tempered in those moments when things are going well. With that, the title of my lesson this morning <clears throat> is Unity. And as I've uh, mentioned before, um, as it pertains to our physical bodies, our physical bodies are always trying to reach a, a, a particular level of comfort or homeostasis. And there are systems, there are organs in your body that their sole purpose individually and also collectively is to get to that point. Um, you have a liver, you have a heart, you have a stomach, you have an intestine, you've got 
multiple um, glands. You've got eyes, ears, mouth, and nose, hands, feet. Um, you know, all of these parts of your body have a purpose. They have, if you will, a vocation. And if one part of the body uh, does not uh, is is falling short um, of said vocation or purpose. The other parts of the body try to make up for it. So, for example, as you know, if if I lose my eyesight, um, you know that my eyes are are no longer um, uh, performing their purpose or their vocation. So, my hearing, uh, my sense of taste, my sense of feel, you know, those other parts of my body um, try to keep up the pick up the slack, if you will. Um, I don't know if everyone has heard of, um, you know, the, the term, if someone is really sick, um, their, their body begins to shut down. And in effect, what happens there is if multiple organs, um, multiple parts of the body are no longer serving their vocation or their purpose, other organs are overtaxed. And if it continues, you know, as those organs overtax, they fail. And then other organs overtax, and then they fail. And that can cascade ultimately down to the death of the body. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jude. Jude Verse 1 says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So as a, as a body, um, as it wears down, um, maybe as, as it's, been subjected to a virus or a bacteria, the immune system can't fight it. Um, organs in, in the body are overtaxed, which leads to you know, a cascading failure, which results in death. Sin is the exact same way. As we've talked about uh, <clears throat> in a number, um, uh, on a number of occasions, there are three things in the world that we should not, that we should be protected from or be immune to. 
First um, John, the second chapter, verses 15 through 17 says that, um, or verse number 14 is probably a better place to start. <clears throat> John says, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known that he, he, excuse me, ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. <clears throat> and if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We know that, you know, the... Uh, that our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And as a result, it behooves us to put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to withstand the fiery darts of the devil. Those fiery darts are manifested in those three ways, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are, they are a disease, um, and it's a not necessarily um, well. I, I I think disease is a good word, but I guess I would say they're they're more so a, a virus. They're a bacteria that if it gets inside of the spiritual body or the spiritual heart, which is the mind, um, it will thoroughly infect it. So as <clears throat> Jude is is talking about here um, in. You know, the, the first verse, or excuse me, the third verse, he's saying, <clears throat> or rather the exhortation here, or the necessity that he writes here, he says in verse number three, that I want to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. And when we contend for the faith, what are we doing? Um, we're exercising our faith. We're exercising our belief. Um, I have a couple verses to, to read on that, um, but I won't touch on it now. Um, but when we, when we contend for the faith, we are exercising our faith. We are putting ourselves, we're putting our spiritual beliefs <clears throat> into practice um, and thus exercising it. And why do we need to do those things? As Jude writes in verse number four, that there are people who will creep into our bodies. Um, who, as, as the scripture says, they're ungodly men and they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Um, I, had it, I had to look up uh, lasciviousness. And um, while my study Bible gives a, a really good um, Adjective, it, it says licentiousness. But uh, what lasciviousness is, is <clears throat> everything has to be, and I'll, give, I'll just put it into my terms. Um, everything is done for, for some sort of profit, for some sort of gain. Um, as we know, the, the grace of our God is not about gain. It's about sacrifice and, and servanthood. But those who are, um, all about lasciviousness. They're they're trying to, uh, I guess, if you will, 
take all of those things and make it into more um, so that they can have more, so they can do more, so that as we talked about last Lord's Day about asking a prayer amiss so that they can burn those things upon the lusts of their flesh. These are the ungodly men that we need to be aware of, that we need to guard our bodies, our spiritual bodies against. What are the results of that? Um, Verses 5 and 6 kind of highlights that. Um, We know that God um, did not spare an entire generation of human beings simply because they, well, not simply because I I say that tongue-in-cheek, but we know that uh, the thing that they did, which was worship a an idol was a was a huge deal. Um, they violated one of the central commandments um, of the Mosaic law. Um, but he destroyed, he allowed a generation of people um, to perish in the wilderness of sin. And that is <laughs> that's exactly what they called this land, um, fittingly enough, was the, the wilderness of sin. You can go back... And you can look at uh, the uh, book of Exodus. This wilderness of sin was actually uh, Sinai, uh, the Sinai Peninsula between Egypt and present-day Israel. But in any case, an entire generation wa- wandered the wilderness of sin, as the Bible calls it, for 40 years. An entire generation of people perished. Because of one transgression. Because they allowed the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to infect their spiritual hearts, their minds, to worship a golden calf. In verse number six, even the angels in heaven were infected. Now, they did not have bodies, but they were infected by the thought of, in the book of Revelation says that um, Satan and his angels, Satan did not want to walk worthy of his vocation. Um, He did not want to abide by his purpose to be a servant of God and also to be a servant of mankind. As we we know, the angels, um, part of their purpose is to um, serve others just as well as our purpose is to serve others. But in verse number six, those angels, it says they kept not their first estate and left their own habitation. And as a result, God has reserved a place for them in that, uh, on that great day. And we know in the book of Revelation that that punishment um, is the lake of, uh, of fire and brimstone which is the second death. So in order for us to avoid that, it's important to guard our hearts and our minds, uh, to continue to contend for the faith, to continue to exercise our spiritual senses, uh, to be able to discern between good and evil. But getting back to uh, the lesson, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to <clears throat> Ephesians, the, the fourth chapter. In uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, 
It, uh, um, we, we read this quite often because it, it clearly outlines the singularity of the body, the singularity of God, the singularity of the Spirit, the singularity of faith, the singularity of baptism, and how God and how God the Father um, is above all, through all, and in us all as it states in verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 4. But the, the first part of Ephesians chapter 4 says this. In verse number 1, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And <clears throat> my study Bible um, has vocation as a calling, um, you know, your station, um, your job, uh, your purpose, um, your function. All of those things are really great uh, synonyms for the word vocation. But Paul is saying again that it's he's beseeching the, um, the congregation in Ephesus as he beseeches all of us today that we walk worthy of that purpose, that function, that job, that calling. How do you do that? Um, I would not be a good minister um, or a good brother, um, a good father, a good husband, if I didn't accept and acknowledge all of the rules, excuse me, all of the expectations that come with being a minister, that come with being a father, that come with being a husband. Um, if I didn't know those expectations, eventually, I mean, as they say, a clock is right two times out of even a broken watch is right two times a day. Um, that's just out of luck. And I could, you know, be a, uh, I could be lucky and and you know be a good husband without knowing what the expectations of a husband are. But over the long haul, I will inevitably fall flat on my face. So. In First uh, Timothy, the fourth chapter, and you don't have to turn over there. I'm, I'm, I know I'm throwing out a lot of verses here. Um, but in First Timothy, the fourth chapter, Paul told Timothy as an evangelist to make sure that as you are going about visiting these various congregations, that you remind the brethren of the expectations of what they need to do um, based on their specific vocation. And if you see in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, in verse number six, Paul tells Timothy, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, again, the expectations of what they need to do in order to be faithful brethren, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Again, this is 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, in verse number six. <clears throat> again, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And that's kind of an, an, an important um, piece of advice there is we can't, we can't hope to fulfill our obligations or vocation as as whatever your vocation is. If, if you're a grandma, if, if you're a wife, if you're a child, if you're a song leader, 
um, if you're an elder, if you're a deacon, if you're a serving brother, whatever the case may be, you can't just go off hearsay. Our vocation is that important that we have to go directly to the source in order to find out exactly what those expectations are. You know, my, um, you know, the, as, as it says in verse number seven, to refuse profane and, and old wives' fables. You know, there are, you know, things, traditions that are carried on, carried along the, the generations that get denatured with time. If you don't believe me, um, we could play the telephone game. You know, one, you know, the original accounting of a phrase, the original accounting of an expectation in this case, um, as it's passed on from one individual will inevitably change because I'm relying upon my suppositions. I'm relying upon my experiences. Um, and because I'm relying upon my experiences, again, those things change. So it's important to go back to the source. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy to put the brethren in remembrance of the things that Timothy had received from Paul. And if you, you go back and look at uh, um, the, the first part of First Timothy chapter four, you'll see that. So we, we, we can't rely on hearsay. I can't rely on you know, you saying this or, or that brother or sister saying that I've got to go back to the source and I've got to exercise myself, which is exactly what Paul says here in First Timothy chapter four, to exercise thyself rather unto godliness. In verse number eight, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of and of that which is to come. <clears throat> um, I'll, I'll continue reading on, even though my, my voice is a little raspy, I, I apologize. Um, in verse number 13, this is what Paul tells, told Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. So, again, um, when we contend for the faith um, or this, this exhortation to contend for the faith, this exhortation or this beseeching rather um, to exercise ourselves spiritually is absolutely critical to the, to the health of the body. Um, you know, the, we, we know that, uh, <clears throat> you know, bodily exercise as we just got the read, got the reading profiteth little. Um, it, it profiteth little in a spiritual sense, but we know that uh, physical exercise is good for the body. Um, I was reading an article the other day. Um, um, Alzheimer's runs in my family. And 
you know, lo and behold, they said that one of the, the, the best thing that you can do to lower your risk of, uh, of Alzheimer's disease is to live a healthy lifestyle. Go figure. Um, making sure that you're getting good sleep. Making sure that you're eating a well-balanced diet. Making sure that you are um, getting at least 30 minutes of physical exercise um, every day. Doing these things helps all of the various vocations, all of the various functions, all the various parts of the body serve their role and meet their expectations. Your, your, your spleen will continue to produce the blood that in turn your liver will filter at the back end. Your, um, your digestive system, if you're exercising properly, or if, excuse me, if you're eating the right things, will absorb all the good nutrients that the heart needs in order to pump blood throughout your body. If you are exercising, it's strengthening your lungs, it's strengthening your heart so that the blood can be pushed down to the furthest regions of your body so that every part of the body, even your little toe, gets all of the nutrients and the oxygen that it needs. So if you have your Bibles again, turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Again, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse number one, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of, of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we, we've, we've read the, uh, the verses immediately following that uh, very often. It says in, <clears throat> in verse number 11 of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says, And he, God, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You know, these are all vocations. These are all um, parts of the body. Um, they, have diff they have a different purpose, but a common goal. And what's that goal? In verse number 12, it says, The goal is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work and the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So <clears throat> as we, just as we exercise our bodies, you know, we, we put ourselves, you know, we, we run on the treadmill, we lift weights. Um, what are we doing? We are um, applying stress to the body to make it stronger. And in a spiritual sense, that's exactly what we should be doing. As First Timothy chapter 4 um, tells us, is, is we should give our spiritual bodies exercise. And the exercise that um, our spiritual bodies needs, that our spiritual body needs, if I can say that in proper English, is trials and tribulations. It is a trial 
and is a tribulation for the respiratory system to run three miles. That is a try. At that moment, your body is taxed. Your heart rate is up. Your blood is pumping, right? Even though you you may be you may have a runner's high, if you will, um, your body is still being taxed. You can't do that forever, otherwise you'll die. Um, but in those moments where you are taxed and then you rest, your body is made stronger. And the same is true with our spiritual bodies. As we run this race, um, as we run this race with purpose, as Paul told us, <clears throat> Paul wrote in the book of Romans, you know, as we run this race, we, we run this race with purpose. It taxes the body to go through, excuse me, the spiritual body to go through trials and tribulations. And, it, and the scripture says, happy are we when we suffer. Because it is after that suffering that we are made stronger. After those moments of suffering, when we are able to rest and reflect upon um, those challenges and how we were able to survive those challenges, we are made stronger. We are exercised spiritually. And we need to continue to do that. And there are different parts of the body that help us with that. There are apostles. There are prophets. There are evangelists. There are pastors. There are teachers. Um, obviously, we don't have apostles today um, because we have the, the New Testament scripture laid out for us. Uh, and again, apostle is one who had to have walked with Christ and received the gospel directly from him. Um, so uh, they do not exist. There, there are no living apostles. But the apostles live with us in the New Testament scripture. There are no prophets. We know that um, because the message of God is has been completed um, uh, it started off in the old and is completed in the new. We do have evangelists, those who go out there and spread the gospel um, in various communities. And where it is spread, there are pastors or elders which um, look after the flock or feed that flock. Excuse me. Watch after that flock. We know that, um, you know, you know, the. <clears throat> the apostles watered, uh, but God gave the increase. The, the pastors are the caretakers of that garden that God is increasing. And then there are teachers. You know, those within the, uh, the various congregations, I would say a, a teacher is a minister um, whose sole purpose is to um, teach or instruct um, others in the body on what thus saith the Lord. Those vocations, those functions, those purposes are all meant to strengthen the body, to perfect it, to make it complete till we come, as it says in verse number 13, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and we grow up and we grow into the perfect man unto the full stature of Jesus Christ himself. So getting to the scripture reading this morning, <clears throat> and this is, I guess, um, um, where I want to go um, with this lesson. I guess the the uh, the meat and potatoes of the lesson that you can carry with you uh, through this upcoming week. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 
verses 12 through 14. And, and before I read it, I, might, I, I do want to add um, that the, uh, Paul said in the book of Ephesians that we should all um, work towards the, the unity of the Spirit via the bond of peace. You know, we are bound together. We are unified. The, the glue that keeps us unified is the bondo, if you will, of peace. The opposite of peace is war. In 1 Corinthians, there was a lot of war going on. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, I believe it's, uh, where is it? Um, Boy, did I lose it? Yes, I did. Well, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 10. Um, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. But we know that was not the case um, at the uh, congregation in Corinth. Um Paul also wrote that it was commonly reported that there was fornication going on, that there was classism going on, that there were cliques going on, as we can read in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. There was discontent, um, and there was, you know, war breeds discontent, or discontent, excuse me, breeds war. Um, so there certainly was not any peace going on at the uh, the church at Corinth. They weren't bound together um, by this peace. And the thing that separates the peace is the very same thing that, um, if you will, in this analogy, that uh, affects the unity of our physical bodies. Illness, disease. Um, you know, uh, there are contaminants in the environment radiation, you know, all of these things that age is another thing. Um, you know, it inevitably will break down the body. It's, it speaks to the imperfection of the system. That, you know, as time goes on, as we are exposed to the sun, or as we are exposed to environmental uh, contaminants, if you will, that our bodies will eventually separate. And I and I set, I use the word separate not in a physical sense, but separate in the sense that they will not be they will not work um, in harmony as they did when we were born. Um, I go back to Alzheimer's disease for a second. Um, you know, there is a a study that was published many years ago that I read that that talks about um, the telomeres, which. And I don't want to go into the weeds on this, but your DNA has a cap on either end. It's called a telomere. And for those who suffer from Alzheimer's disease, they have a premature um, degradation of these protein caps that keeps the DNA wound up tight. And once these caps are removed, the DNA strands open up. Um, they, they lose their unity, their bond, and they separate. 
And because these DNA strands, you know, prematurely degrade, um, it leads to a failure of all the other systems up from that. Same is true in our spiritual bodies. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse number 25, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth again that there should be no schism in the body or separation or division or disillusion of the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And where whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or where one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. We all have to go through the same things. We all have to if you will, act as if we are one cohesive body working together for a common purpose and a common goal. And and in, um, in a very real sense, absolutely we are. We're all working for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're all striving to make heaven our home. <clears throat> so I go back to the scripture reading again um, in the 12th verse of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So, um, we're all different. Um, and that's what, you know, that's where the many comes from, is we're all different members. Um, I'm different from uh, my son. I'm different from my daughter. I'm different from my wife. But what makes us all the same? Why is it that even though um, brother people and I don't come from the same mother, um, I can honestly say that we are brothers from a different mother. Why, what, what is that common denominator? What is that common theme? And if, if you look at what verse number 13 says, is that what makes us all the same is the Spirit. We have all been baptized by the Spirit into one body. We've all been made to drink into that one spirit. And as uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, tells us that we should strive every day to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Because we are all the same, because we are all the same spirit. Even though we have different vocations, even though we have different functions, even though we have different jobs. The thing that binds us, the thing that unifies us is the spirit and that bondo, that connective tissue that keeps our bones together. Um, so we're not a, a, a flabby sack of, of flesh. The thing that keeps us bound together is the bond of peace. And hopefully what I've, hopefully what I, what I would have liked to have highlighted with the verses that I, have included in this lesson is that the only way that we can strengthen our bond, the only way that we can maintain this bond is to exercise ourselves 
individually as members of the body of Christ and also collectively as congregations of the body of Christ. If we fail to do either one, we will get infected with the virus, with the disease of the flesh. The virus and the disease that Satan uses every single day to draw, you know, members, and I'm speaking of a spiritual sense, members away from the body. How does a congregation die? Well, a congregation dies the same way a physical body dies. One member, let's say, for example, our song leader leaves um, because he was infected. Maybe he he was drawn away by the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes to do those things which are not convenient to um, to uh, fall headfirst into a life of sinful living. Well, what what does that happen? Well, the congregation has still got to keep going, right? So the minister or another another brother who is already invested in doing another vocation has to take on that role. He is that organ is thus overtaxed. And if that brother or that sister is overtaxed by taking on the vocation of another brother or sister who fell by the wayside, if they continue to do that over and over for a given length of time, then they too may fall victim to the same disease and the same virus of sin. And then another brother or sister has to pick up and they become overtaxed. And then you have a systematic failure of all of the various functions and all the various vocations that should exist in a healthy congregation until what happens? The doors close. I know that um, the members of the congregation of the four, of the uh, the members of the congregation that meets on the corner of Fourth and P. We don't want that to happen with our congregation. The way that we can avoid that is we have to exercise ourselves individually and continue to exercise ourselves as a congregation. We can't rest on our laurels. We can't take a vacation um, because we have a job to do. We have a purpose on this earth. Um, and as all of the scriptures have highlighted, we need to walk worthy of that purpose for which we are called. If we don't, we'll fall victim to um, what happened or what was written in the book of Jude. Where those angels, even the angels of God who were able to see God and be with God, to see whom, see him as he is, they left their own habitation. And now they're reserved, uh, their punishment is reserved in the chains of everlasting darkness. So if you're here this morning and you haven't been doing your exercise, you haven't been reading your Bible, you haven't been studying, I, I, I beseech you as the scripture beseeches and exhorts us all um, to study, to, to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, as Paul wrote in 2 Timothy that you know, we, made, we need to make full proof of our ministry so that we'll be able to, uh, to confidently say 
that a crown of life awaits me and awaits us all when we depart. We all want to hear those, those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but we have to exercise. We all want the congregation at the corner of 4th and P to continue to strive and to flourish. Well, while we're exercising ourselves individually, all of the individual functions and all of the brothers and sisters who have been designated for those vocations, we've got to do our jobs as well. We have to exercise ourselves as, as a body of Christ so that we will continue to grow to the fullness of the stature of Christ himself. Amen. So again, if you're here this morning and you need prayers uh, to do that, um, you know, these, these days that we have, these opportunities to come together where there is at least one faithful um, brother um, who can deliver a prayer on your behalf to God uh, for the strength to do all the things that are, are written in the book. I guess I, I will speak for myself before we uh, sing that song of invitation. I do need your prayers to do this as well. Um, you know, there, there's only, there's a finite amount of time in a day. And there's two things that I'm not doing enough of. Number one, I don't read my Bible as much as I, I know I should. So I pray that you will be with me to continue to, to do that. And secondly, I pray that you also, um, that you will, that God will give me the motivation to get up and physically exercise, which I'm not doing enough of that as well. Um, I'm harming myself on two sides. I'm, you know, I'm not assuring myself the fullness of my physical days, and I'm certainly, if I'm not studying as I should, <clears throat> not assuring myself um, long life, and uh, in a spiritual sense as well. So please pray for me. Um, but again, if you have need, if you have the urge, after we sing the song of invitation, the floor will be yours. Thank you very much for your time and attention.